0: you've heard of paul harvey the rest of the story i'm sure you have well i'm here to tell you that god has a story to tell it's the rest of the story about humanity and how human beings will be the majority of human beings i should say will be saved it's the rest of the story that god has to tell which is really about which is really a story about the rest of the dead. Now, let's take a look at this verse in Revelation 20 and verse five. It says, but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. Now, in church, I hate to say this, but there are verses that your preacher are just, they're just not gonna go to in the Bible. They cannot go to, and this is one of the scriptures that most churches, most preachers will not explain. Let me read it again. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. Just who are the rest of the dead? Do you, know, do you know? Has someone explained this to you about the meaning behind this resurrection about the rest of the dead? Now, hold on to your seats. You are going to learn something about the nature of God that you have never heard preached at your local church. I don't care if you've been going to church for 40 years, you've never heard what I'm about to tell you in your local church, and that is the story about the rest of the dead. You see, God has an agenda, and in order to understand the nature of God, you've got to know what that agenda is. Is that really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman okay just what is God's agenda for saving mankind well let's take a look at it in 2nd Peter 3 and verse 9 it says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise now God has a promise and the promise began at the very beginning of Genesis and that is for saving humanity saving mankind all right So God has a promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, this is incredible when you think about it, that God has a promise, he has a will, and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, let me ask you a question. Is Is that what you see today? Do you see the majority of mankind being saved. Now, I know, according to the superficial concept of, of salvation, I guess you see a lot of people, you know, just just raise your hand, just give your heart to the Lord, just uh, invite Jesus into your heart, just sign on the dotted line, you know. Yeah, according to that concept, you may have a lot of people uh, being saved. But really, in reality, when you consider that the majority of the world's population has never really, you know, they're they're not Christian is what I'm saying. They're not Christian by a lot, by anybody's definition of a Christian. So do we see people being saved by the masses today? No, we don't. But God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, here's the thing you got to wrap your mind around. If you think all of this has to take place right now during your lifespan. You're going to be greatly confused if, if that's the way you view it. Now, we've read, we've understood in a, uh, a program earlier that according to Israel's feast days, the holy days of God, that there was one feast, uh, Pentecost, which is first fruits. And we understood that God, we found out that God is now calling just for right now, God is calling a first fruit. He's not calling everybody right now. Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. So we've got we to gotta understand that according to these holy days, there's a, there's a couple harvests. There's the first fruit harvest that, that God is calling a first fruit, but then there's going to come a later harvest of people when they will be given their first chance for salvation. So you have to understand something about God's holy days to even understand what I'm telling you. Now, what about all those who are not a part of this first fruit harvest? Now, this is what we've got to ask the question. Okay, if God is only calling a first fruit right now, and he is, that's what your Bible reveals, that right now God is calling a first fruit. Okay, if God is only calling a first fruit right now, well, what about all the rest who are not the rest of the dead, the rest of the story, all those who are not a part not a part of this first fruit harvest. Uh, they go to hell, right? Because they never had a chance for salvation. Because Jesus never drew those people to Him. No, of course not. That's not the correct way to think about this. Now, traditional Christian teaching would consign about eighty percent of or more of humanity straight to an eternal never-ending burning hellfire yeah i mean traditional christian teaching what 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 do i mean by traditional christian teaching well i mean the concept that you're either saved or lost and if you're saved you go to heaven and if you're lost you go to hell okay according to that concept about 80 percent of humanity is going to end up going straight to hell yeah Now, is this really the action of a just and merciful God? You know, the common teaching about hell is really a mistaken tradition that has replaced what the Bible actually actually reveals about life, death, and God's plan of salvation. And that's what I want to talk about today. That is God's plan of salvation, which involves the rest of the dead, okay, the rest of the dead. Now you're beginning to hear the story, the rest of the story. You are beginning to hear the re- to hear the rest of the story about the rest of the dead. Now, one of the things that we have to consider is this, as we look at the world of churchianity, that all the churches that dot our land. I mean, there's 450,000 churches in America. There's 650,000 preachers in America. There's 42,000 bickering denominations that can't really agree on anything in America. You know, here's my question. Is this the best God can do? You have to ask this question when you look at the world of religion, when you look at sometimes what I call the Sunday morning comedy hour where you'll have you know, maybe these people up there begging for a donation, a seed donation, you know, just just give your heart to the Lord, you know, and, and you got to ask, okay, is this the best God can do for saving all of humanity? And I'm talking about preachers. Yes, I'm talking about preachers. Is this the best God can do? You know, I've, my answer is, well, of course not. This is not the best God can do. God has his own plan for saving humanity. God has a plan that is revealed in your Bible. Okay, let's take a look at that plan that is revealed in your Bible. Revelation 20 and verse five, but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. Okay, now what is this thousand year? Now you, you gotta understand, the first resurrection has already taken place now everybody knows what the first resurrection is all about it's it's it occurs at the return of jesus christ to this earth and the first thing that he's going to do when he returns is to resurrect the saints well who are the saints well they are people a saint is a person who has gone through what I call the salvation process room. He has been totally his character has been totally transformed into the character of Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a process, it doesn't occur overnight, but he's been in the process, the salvation process room. God is transforming this person from what he was, you know, when God first called him into a new creature in Christ. Okay, the saints and, and you see, the reason they call them saints is because God's not going to spend eternity with practicing sinners. Otherwise, you've got to overcome your sins by the power of God's grace and spirit. But the first res- resurrection, the saints are people who have the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. If any man am not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. So this is the first resurrection. So at Christ's return, you have the first resurrection. All right we're resurrected and then there is a thousand years called the millennium or that where christ is going to reign and rule on this earth for a thousand years okay now after this thousand years you have something called another or the second resurrection or another resurrection of people okay who are these people who are these people that's going to be resurrected in the second resurrection? Well, Revelation 20 and verse 12 begins to talk about it. It says, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. All right. This is, you know, a lot of dead people in the second resurrection are going to come up. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. Okay. Now, let me just insert something here. First of all, it says the books were open. Now, the word books there, this plural, it means the Bible, the Bible is a collection of books. So the Bible is open at this time, at the second resurrection, and also another book is open called the Book of Life. Now, you got to ask the question, why is the Book of Life open at this point? You know, like I said, the first resurrection of the saints has already taken place, so no need to look in the book about the saints because they've they've been resurrected a thousand years earlier now according to the traditional concept of hell you know they've been burning for all eternity in hell so no need to open the books for them i mean we already know where they're at you know in hell now i'm just kidding because i don't believe that there are people in hell right now burning anyway so i believe they're in the grave they're dead okay um so so why is this book of life open at after, now get this, this is after Christ returns. The first resurrection of the saints takes place. The thousand-year reign of Christ on this earth is complete, completed. And then you have the second resurrection. And the Bible is open and the book of life is open. Now, why is the book of life open at this point? There's only one reason, and that is to add new names to the book of life. This is the reason the book of life is open at this point. Now, let's continue on. And the dead, those people who come up in this resurrection, was judged, they were judged out of those things which were written in the books, that is the Bible, according to their works. Now, what this reveals is there's going to be a judgment period of time, I believe 100 years, or a lifespan where these people are judged according to their works. Just like the Christian who is called today the first fruits, they're being judged according to the Bible today. If if God has called them, if God has opened their hearts, if they are part of the first fruits, you know, today you are being judged. Okay, these people in the second resurrection are going to be given a chance, their first chance for salvation, and they're going to be judged just like you are judged judge if you are a real Christian according to your works, according to the Bible, what's written in the Bible. That's basically, in the most simplistic manner, this is what this is talking about, a judgment period of time. It's not talking about opening the books and looking at who's in the book of life and who's not and whether they deserve it. It's not talking about that at all. No, this is a judgment period of time, because like I said, you got to wrap your mind around this fact. A thousand year earlier, Christ has returned and resurrected the first fruits, the saints. All right, they've already been given eternal life. And then you have the rest of the dead. After the thousand-year reign of Christ on this earth, then you have this resurrection, which is referred to as the rest of the dead. All right, continuing on in verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell uh, delivered up the dead which were in them. In other words, I mean, we're talking about all dead people. Every dead person that has ever lived and existed, whether he died in the sea, whether he was blown to smithereens by the... You know, the space shuttle or whatever, eaten by sharks or, you know, however, it doesn't matter how they died. But my point is what this verse is saying is that every, and when it talks about death and hell delivered up the dead, the word hell there is grave. So don't don't go off the deep end there and thinking about this is some type of eternal torment or anything like that. It's not. It's just talking about the grave. Just talking about the grave. Look it up for yourself basically it's saying and death and the grave delivered up the dead okay that's what that is referring to <clears throat> and 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 they were judged every man according to their works according to a judgment period of time that they're going to have where they're going to be given a chance for their first chance for salvation now the apostle paul was deeply concerned about a group uh, people and that was the jews or the israelites that basically had rejected jesus christ i mean think about it. What, what do you do when when a person rejects the messiah and this is what he says in romans 11 verse 1 he says i say then has god cast away his people in other words, Paul is struggling here because he basically realized that there were Jews that did not accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah. I mean, you've got to understand something, that that the Jews were looking for a coming, conquering king, and when Christ came and was killed, they thought, well, this can't be the Messiah. I mean, they killed him. They were looking for the Messiah to set up the kingdom, kingdom of God right then to overthrow the Roman government. And so when Christ came and was killed, they I guess they didn't understand that Christ had to be our Passover lamb. He had to be sacrificed for our sins, and then 2,000 years later, he would return and set up his kingdom on this earth. They didn't get that. And so a lot of them rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And so Paul is struggling. He said, look, has God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul was able to understand, okay, no, God has not cast away his people, that God had a plan that involved not just one resurrection, but several resurrections from the dead. Now let's notice in Romans 11 and verse 7, What then? Israel has not obtained that which he seek, seeketh, But the election have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Now, here we come back to the concept of an election, of a calling of a firstfruits, that God is now calling a firstfruit. There is an election according to the grace of God, that God is calling right now a firstfruit. But notice what he says. He says, and the rest were blinded. Now, who's doing the blinding? Well, God is doing the blinding. Continuing on in verse 8, according as it is written, God has given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. Again, who's doing the blinding? Who's blinding the eyes? Who's closing the ears? Well, it's God who is blinding the eyes and the ears. As Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. And then you get into this dilemma, well, suppose it's not your time to come to God. Suppose God is doing the one who has shut you up in unbelief. What happens then? Now, the question we might wanna ask is, is being deceived a chance for salvation? The fact that a person is deceived, willingly or by God. has God has shut that person up. Can you call being deceived a chance for salvation? Well, no, you really can't. You really can't call that a chance for salvation. I mean, you were ignorant. You were deceived. And in some cases, as the Bible is explaining here, the one who is closing the ears, the one who has shut them up in unbelief, the one who has blinded, as it says here, the rest were blinded. There is isn't an election there is a first fruit that God is calling, and the rest were blinded. And you've got to understand who's doing the blinding. It's God who's doing Now, if God is doing the blinding, is that a chance for salvation? Well, no, it's not a chance for salvation. You can't call that. You've got to understand to have a chance for salvation. You've got to come to conviction. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to, to know what sin is in order to have a chance for salvation. So, well, What is Paul's answer? What what did Paul understand that God was doing when it comes to saving the Israelites, saving the Jews, saving humanity? What was Paul's understanding? Well, we come to Romans 11 and verse 15, and we get our answer. And the answer goes back to this concept that I started out with about the rest of the story or the rest of the dead. Romans 11 and verse 15 says this, For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be? He's speaking of the Israelites. He's speaking of the Jews that rejected Jesus Christ. Okay, how is God going to receive them? What shall be the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Now, life from the dead, that's a fascinating concept. What are we talking about when we talk about life from the dead? Well, we're talking about a resurrection. But which resurrection? the first resurrection no no we're not talking about the first resurrection we're talking about another resurrection that is referred to in your bible in revelation about the rest of the dead what paul understood is this that god had a in his wisdom in his great understanding god had a plan for salvation that the jews the israelites were not cast away that they would come up in a great resurrection called the second resurrection or the uh, another resurrection and they would be given their chance for salvation then this is what paul understood what shall the receiving of them be how is god going to work this out the answer life from the dead now in the Old Testament we need to ask this question does the Bible speak with absolute clarity that there is going to be a resurrection back to flesh and blood and that people these people who are resurrected back to flesh and blood are going to be given a chance for salvation well the answer is yes the Bible does speak to this with absolute clarity in Ezekiel thirty seven and verse one. It says The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the mists of the valley which was full of bones. Now this description here, only Hollywood could make this kind of scene where Ezekiel is taken out and he's he's looking over the landscape of just you know, human remains, just nothing left but the bones of a valley of dry bones. And it's an eerie sight. It would, it would be an eerie feeling to just stand there and see, you know, just just nothing but human remains, human bones. Well, continuing in Ezekiel 37 and verse 5, Ezekiel is commanded, he says, now thus says the Lord unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath, to enter into you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinew upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you of skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Now God is saying now this to Ezekiel, this is what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy. I want you to preach to these bones. And it's exactly what Ezekiel did. He began to prophesy, he began to preach to these you know bones that were laying out in the in the the valley of dry bones and all of a sudden there is this shaking and clicking and bone begins to connect to bone each you know the hip bone connected to you know that's where that song comes from and skin begins to wrap around the bones and this is why i say hollywood you know with their creativity they could do an excellent job at portraying this imagery of this coming back together well Afterwards, we have an exceeding great army of people standing there, and this is what the Word of God says in Ezekiel 37 and verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are died, and our hope is lost, and we are cut off from our parts. Now this harkens back to what the Apostle Paul was concerned about, the israelites the jews uh, rejecting jesus christ being lost being in a a, what 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 most people would call a lost condition having died in a lost condition and all of a sudden what we have here is a, a description of these people are going to be resurrected back to flesh and blood notice ezekiel in ezekiel 37 and verse 12 Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. Now again, what is critical to understand here is this. This is not the first resurrection that occurs when Christ returns uh, to resurrect his saints. No. Now, how do I know that? How do I know that this is not the first resurrection? Well, it's very simplistic. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That's what your Bible tells you. In other words, when Christ returns at the first resurrection to resurrect his saints, that resurrection, you're going to be given a totally new body, one that is not composed of flesh and blood. You see, there's a problem with flesh and blood. It wears out. It gets old, it gets ugly, it dies. And flesh and blood can only last for so long. So in order to have immortality, you've got to be given a body that will last forever. And this is what the new body is all about that occurs at the first resurrection. It is a spiritual body. It is no longer composed of flesh and blood. Now, what is a spiritual body? Well, um... There are examples in the Bible Bible, when Jesus was resurrected, he uh, was no longer flesh and blood, and so he appeared to his disciples through a stone wall. They were gathered inside for fear of the Jews, and all of a sudden there's Jesus. He appears to them. So I take it that this new transformed body, this spiritual body, can, can appear as a human being, or it can just turn into vapor and disappear. It can go straight through stone walls. Uh, bullets can't hurt a spirit being uh, because it's spirit. As some people would refer to it, and I think the King James does, uh, you know, as a ghost. Uh, of course, that carries a lot of connotations of evil with it, but that's not what I'm talking about. It's not evil at all. But it is a a a, a spiritual body that you're going to be given. Another cool thing is that a spirit being a body can travel at the speed of thought you know Now, how do i know that well when jesus was resurrected he said to mary touch me not i have not yet ascended into the to the father and then later you know he he did appear before his father and then came back to appear to the disciples so somewhere in between there jesus goes to the father now how where is that at well that's a long ways off it's up in heaven somewhere so I take it that, as a this new transformed body, this spiritual body, no more aches, no more pains, no more suffering, can travel at the speed of thought, which is really cool, you know I, I mean I'd like if I had a spiritual body right now, my new body, I would want to go to Hawaii right now, maybe the island of Maui right now, and I'd be sitting and watching the ocean, watching the tides come in that's you know so it' it's it's, it's a cool concept to be able to have this This body that can no longer experience, you know, any type of suffering, which is something that we all look to, so look for, I should say. But anyway, my point is, this resurrection that we're reading about in Ezekiel is not the first resurrection. It's a physical resurrection. Uh, In this resurrection that Ezekiel is speaking of here, uh, the people are not given immediate eternal life. They're not given immortality, no. They're given physical life, which tells me this is a chance for salvation. You know, to me, this is the best news that you've heard in a long, long time. Who is it that you're concerned about? Have you ever been concerned about someone that maybe you thought uh you didn't know whether they were saved or not and they died and it was a good person they weren't evil or anything like that they just didn't care too much for religion you know they thought all religious people were hypocrites or whatever but who have you been concerned about is there anyone that you've been ever been concerned about who who has passed away well have you ever considered the fact that maybe they just weren't called now that god was not calling them right now that today was not their day of salvation Now, I know a lot of people use that verse, today is the day of salvation. Well, yeah, today is the day of salvation if God has called you. But if God has not called you, today is not your day of salvation. It's it's just that simple. So God has a plan that all should come to repentance. And you've just heard the rest of the story. Be sure and check out the scripture references to this program under Podcast 102. And the next time, we're gonna be talking about what the Bible says, what your Bible says about real salvation. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore, Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.